enjoyed the, the worship and loving God and just sensing that the, uh, the roof disappears and you look into heaven. I love that uh, song, Better is One Day in Your Courts Than a Thousand Elsewhere. Uh, I don't know if you're interested in mathematics, but one day versus a thousand, that's Psalm 84, is one day versus three years. Okay, I'm going to make it complicated now, so one day, one day versus three years. The average person lives about 70 years according to the Bible, so that's 70 years divided by three is about 23, 24 days. So 24 days of life in God's presence is better than 70 years. That's the comparison. And the other thing, then a thousand elsewhere. Where do you think elsewhere means? It could mean California. It could mean, you know, the, the Caribbean. It could be the, the Alps. The Rockies. I don't know where you'd love to be. I've, I've traveled a lot. and You know, the Grand Canyon. Can you imagine going there for a holiday? But the psalmist says, I'd rather have one day in your presence than a thousand, three years on holiday in the Caribbean. <laughs> Why? Because when you see something beautiful and something charming like a, you know, Grand Canyon or the Alps or a beach, something like that, that will never satisfy your soul. In fact, if you've got just a horizontal way of living, you can actually just end up in trouble. But once you see God and the beauty of the Lord, something happens in your soul. And I sometimes think if I could bottle the presence of God into a bottle and sell it, I'd be the richest man on the planet. Why? Because it's so delicious, so exquisite. But you can't bottle it, but it's free. You don't have to, I wouldn't be rich because I can't sell it. But the thing is, it's free, it's beautiful, it's amazing. And so, do find the presence of God. If you've never known that presence, find it, because it will change your perspective. All right, well, I want to read with you now from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 8, and I'm going to read a very short passage, and a very short passage and give a very long sermon. <laughs> don't, don't be deceived by the length of the passage. No, I will finish on time. Let's, uh, let's read this uh, Let's read this. There's no clock, is there? There's no clock. I like a, a, church build, a church building without a clock. Especially I hate them when they have clocks behind me. Um, let me just uh, read this short passage then. It's Matthew chapter 8 and verse 1. And <clears throat> when he had come down, that when Jesus had come down from the mountain. He'd been up the mountain. Reminds you of Moses, doesn't it? When he'd come down from the mountain, thousands of people followed him. Thousands. 
great multitudes, thousands of people. And behold, from somewhere, a leper, just one man, a leper came. Probably the crowd began muttering when they saw him and shock the sight of a leper. A leper came and worshipped him. And the leper said, when you think of a leper, you mustn't think of him speaking very good English. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He couldn't speak properly. Leprosy damages your fingers, your eyes. It makes you ugly. It's a skin disease, disease of the feelings. The lips disappear. When you've got this disease, you can't speak properly. So he said, oh, he's like a, a person who's severely damaged and very ugly. And he said, Lord, if you're willing. Can't speak clear. Doesn't know how to pray. Not going to get any prizes for clear speaking. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Probably nobody could understand his prayer. And probably there were some looks. Jesus put out his hand and touched him and said, I am willing. Be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy vanished from him. His lips were restored, his eyes, his ears, his skin became clear. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Jesus said to him, don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell anybody. <laughs> don't tell anybody, but go your way. Show yourself to the priest. Go and show the priest. And offer the gift that Moses commanded. It's in uh, uh, Leviticus. I've forgotten the chapter. It's in Leviticus. Um, go your way, show yourself to the priest. Offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And that's the end of the story. We don't read the end of any further. We just read that. He goes on in this section up to verse 14 he, or 15. He heals two more people. But it's beautiful to notice the simplicity of the gospel. And in this simple event, I want you to see the gospel. Think of it no longer as a sickness, though Jesus can heal your sickness and we Believe, I believe with all my heart in divine healing. I don't believe I have the gift of healing, but I do believe that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I believe that. And I believe the anointing is on me, and I believe that's the only reason why people have been healed through my ministry and delivered. And I believe that the Spirit of the Lord is not only on me, I believe he's on the church. 
And I believe there is divine healing in the church and deliverance. And all the power that was on Jesus to heal the brokenhearted, set the captives free, heal the, bro heal the, the recovery of sight to the blind and deliver those that are bruised. All these great things are upon this church. And I want to encourage you to believe that. That when you gather, that we are anointed. The Bible says we are an anointed people. I am an anointed man. There are many anointed men and women here. We are an anointed church. That's simply a fact. God has to open our eyes to that. But I want us to see here, not just, not primarily the, the healing of the body, but I want us to see primarily the healing of the soul. Because, you see, this man had a terrible disease. It was a physical disease. But I want you to know that whether or not you are diseased physically, and you, you, we can pray for that, but the, the key thing is every human being has a disease of the soul called sin. I've had it, and the touch of Jesus has set me free. And the, the power of the gospel is that in a moment, by a word from Jesus Christ, the affliction of the heart, of the soul, disappears. Whatever that affliction is, however, whatever form it takes, it will take different forms. It will take the form of shame. It will take the form of guilt. It will take the form of things you can't control in your personality. It will take the form of uncleanness. It says, if you, if you want to, you can make me clean. It will take all these different forms. But the wonder of this passage is that the man saw that a word from Jesus could make him clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he spoke and he was clean. The leprosy, the disease disappeared and by a word from God this morning the word of the gospel if you believe the word of the gospel your guilt will disappear this morning your shame doesn't matter how complicated how big how many years how, how awful it is it'll disappear the miracle of the gospel is that a ton of weight of sin can be broken in a second of time and a person can walk free it's an amazing passage and it is it contains within it the very heart and center of the gospel and we've got to look at this because there's a number of verses we have to look at to, in addition but this this passage this Amazing fact that you can stand before Jesus Christ this morning and by the power of Him, by the authority of Him, by the decree of God Himself in Jesus Christ, you can be set free this morning from the guilt and power and shame of sin. And not just that, but introduced into a taste the foretaste of a life of being well. 
of being spiritually healthy, reconciled with God, a child of God, in touch with God. This is our message this morning. So let's look at this a little bit more detail. Let's just look at this verse eight, verse one. When he had come down from the mountain, and you you will know probably if you're a Bible student, if you if you don't know the Bible well, you may not know this that this is chapter eight, and it's preceded by chapter five, six, and seven. Okay, there you are. You can make a note of that. You learned that here this morning. <laughs> Chapter 8 was preceded by chapter 5, 6, and 7. Well, what's the significance of that? The significance of it is simply this, that chapter 5, 6, and 7 was the longest sermon Jesus ever gave. Don't worry, I'm not going to compete with Jesus this morning. But I do need to summarize that sermon. Just in a couple of sentences, I'm going to summarize the sermon that he gave. Because... He'd been up the mountain a bit like Moses and he'd, he'd talked. And in chapter 5, he talked about moral excellence, righteousness, purity. He talked out to how to be, if you like putting it the simplest way possible, how to be a good person, how to be a better person. And he talked about it in the way of getting free from anger, lusts, but also in the ter terms of loving people, positively loving people. So getting free from rubbish, anger, impatience, losing your temper, speaking bad stuff, but also in terms of actually loving people, speaking good things to people, being kind to people. That's chapter 5. And then in chapter 6, he'd spoken about spiritual excellence, which was how to pray. So chapter 5, how to be a better person from the heart. Chapter 6, how to pray, how to get in touch with God, how to get an answer in prayer, how to relate to God, how to know God, how to walk with God, how to build a relationship with God. So in chapter 5, how to be a better person. Chapter 6, how to have a spiritual dimension to your life whereby you know God and you know how to find his presence. That's brilliant, isn't it? And then chapter 7, how to know you will go to heaven when you die. You know, I think when I think about those three lessons, I mean, I'm summarizing a big section of Scripture. It's a big section. But when I summarize that, I think those are the most important things I want to learn in life. I want to know how to be a better person, genuinely better person. I want to know how to love people. I want to know how to be kind. I want to know how to, to express this amazing life of Jesus. And I want to know God. I want to know how to pray I want to open heaven and bring down blessings on my family, on my community. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the little video called the, the War Room. Anybody seen that? You've not seen it? Oh, you should see it. If you like a, want a good Christmas video, watch the War Room. 
You can buy it on Amazon, I'm sure. But it's just about a, a woman who has learned to pray. And she gets in touch with a woman, another woman, uh, by, who's just an estate agent, and, and, and whose life is falling apart, and her marriage is falling apart, and she basically tells this woman, you know what? You need to learn how to pray. And get God's blessing on your family. I could say that to every person in this room. You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to fight for your corner. And uh, she got this woman to pray, and this woman learned to pray. And um, I remember this scene. She said, she said, devil, you've had enough room in this family for too long. I'm giving you an eviction order. <laughs> that's, that's what it is to learn to pray. The atmosphere changes in your family. Things begin to change in your community. Who wouldn't want to learn how to pray? So that's chapter 6. And then the chap how to get to heaven. Those three lessons. Better person. How to pray. How to know you go to heaven when you die. If you've ever talked to a person who doesn't know they're going to heaven when they die. And they're dying. I have. And I've explained to people what's wrong and how they can find out. And led them to have that assurance and that peace and watch the fear of death evaporate watch the fear of the future go people are afraid of death but if you listen to Jesus that fear of death can go and you can be ready you can be ready and that's, what, that's the teaching he gave those three great lessons and um, you know, it's a tremendous lesson that I can imagine all the people. I can imagine, you know, if I imagine different people in the crowd there, I can imagine some of you, a good note taker. I can't see anybody. T oh, good, good note takers. There's a couple here. Yeah, you know, good note takers, and some of you are texting. I can see you. But don't worry. Uh, maybe you're taking notes on your phone. But the point is, the point is, there were people there thinking, oh, yeah, I'll have a go at that. And other people, yeah, I can do that. I mean, I, when Jesus teaches you, you actually begin to believe, I can do it. Because there's something in his voice that doesn't just command, it empowers with hope. I can do it. You've got to learn how, how but he will empower you. The words of Jesus are so amazing. So, you know, they're coming, the crowd are, are amazing. It's amazing, amazing. They're teaching. They're coming down the mountain, wondering at it. And then comes the leper. The leper. It's just if I did a, if I said, look, you know, you had a, a men's night, you had golf, didn't you? Well, I could do a golf school for you. I could teach you all golf. Would you like that? I'm, I'm the most amazing golfer in the world. Uh, uh, Tiger Woods is afraid whenever I go out on the course. You know, spotters in the bushes for the, you know. But the point is, I could do a, an amazing golf school for you. 
and I could teach you how to drive, teach you how to midfield and putt. Amazing, and I could teach it. Amazing. But you see, we have our amazing course. Imagine that's Jesus on the mountain. He's taught them an amazing course. I've taught you how to golf, or I could teach you football, maybe even better. I'm better than David Beckham. He's the, the only footballer I can think of. <laughs> um, I'm not a footballer, but the point is, here, here we are, we're coming out of the, the class and people are amazed at my teaching on golf and football and all the sports, basketball, I know it all. My, my humility is the greatest quality. <laughs> and I'm coming out, and as we're just, all the buzz with my teaching on golf and football and all this and fitness and fitness training and how to build amazing biceps and all this, and we meet a paraplegic. And he's there in the, at the door and he says, what can you teach me? What can you teach me? And you see, this leper is a huge challenge to the teaching of Jesus. basically saying all your teaching what use is it to me I, I can't be a better person I'll never be able to pray I'll never be able to go do anything and I don't know how I can be sure of going to heaven when I die I can't do any of it what use is your teaching to me and you see this isn't a coincidence the meeting between Jesus and this man is right on cue. Because the teaching of Jesus can't help anybody unless he can change us. Unless he can change us. It's no use me trying to teach you to pray. You can pray and, and crawl on the name of the Lord, but to really have a relationship with you need a change in your life. And if, you, if no use me teaching you to be a better person or to love people, because the problem is, is not in the teaching in the head, it's in the heart, in the conduct, in what we're like. Our problem goes deeper than teaching, and teaching in itself isn't the answer. And the teaching of Jesus Christ, all the teaching of the New Testament, is meaningless unless it includes the power of God to change me. It's only on the basis of a miracle that the teaching can be applied. And Jesus Christ comes to us and says, well, unless you're born again, you can't enter. Unless you're born again, you can't see. He talks to us about the miraculous power of God, the power of God to change a life. And Jesus says, I, I can do this. This is why I've come. I'm willing. Be cleansed. And the leprosy vanished. The hindrance, the reason this man could not live in community, he couldn't live in community, he couldn't do anything that Jesus had said, vanished. 
Now he can. We won't look at it, but I love the scripture when he said to him, you know, the, the man must have looked at himself. It's gone. It's gone. It's vanished. I think the crowd were astonished too. It's gone. It's finished. And then he said, don't tell anybody. Oh, yes, I won't tell anybody. You can be sure I won't tell. What? He said, then he said, go and show yourself to the priest. And I, I can see him knocking on the door of the priest who was in the village and would know him. I would say, what, Benjamin, is that you? Is that you, Benjamin? And then they would go and offer the, the gift. One of the offerings that Moses commanded was to kill a bird and put the blood in a bowl. Two birds, one was killed, the other one was dipped in the blood. And once it was dipped in the blood, you set it free. And off it flies into heaven. And that offering is a picture of, of the cross. That Christ died to give his blood that we could be changed. Dipped in that blood and off we fly. Just go down to verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with a word. What does that mean? Cast out the spirits with a word, just a word, and it was gone. Healed all who were sick. I, I, I've talked to alcoholics, drug addicts, people with mental obsessions. You don't have to think of it in a kind of a strange, weird way. Just think of it like a darkness in your life. If you're a drug addict, you've got a darkness. And he cast out the spirits with a word. With a word. I was talking with a friend the other day about a, a guy in the family. His, his, in his family, he, he was an alcoholic, drug addict, and... Uh, his life was a mess. He came to his, the family, his, his aunt, actually, his aunt. And in the kitchen, they were just talking with him. Life a mess. They witnessed to him. They, he knew the gospel a bit. They talked to him. And they, they shared with him. And uh, then they all said at the end, let's pray. Shall we pray? He said, yes, please pray. And they prayed. And the, th the reason I'm telling you this is because... He was set free. But the thing was this. When they prayed, afterwards he said this. He said, I don't know what happened. But I felt something leave me. I felt something leave me. Cast out the spirits with a word. He healed all who were sick. And then it says this, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's a quote from Isaiah 53. 
And it's quoted accurately. Because Isaiah said, he has done it. Isaiah was prophesying 800 years before the cross. He is an event that was just three years before the cross. But it's still accurate. He has done it. Why is it accurate to say God has done it? Well, in their case, it was because God said, I will do it. But when God says, I will do it, it's done. Even if God speaks about a future event, it's done. It's done. And in that case, he was speaking about the future. My son will die for you. God will lay on him the sin of the whole world. Every individual's grief, not just sin, but the grief of sin, the effects of sin, all the, all the things that come from that horrible disease of the heart. He has carried, truly he has carried our griefs and carried our iniquities and, and our sorrows. He was made a man of sorrows that we may be made people of joy. But he said, he's done it. And Isaiah said, it's done. Because God says he'll do it. But in our case, it's history. And the reason he could say to, say to the leper, be cleansed, is because of Calvary. Because on Calvary, Jesus said, give me their sicknesses. Give me their guilt. Give me their shame. He was this perfect sacrifice to bear away the sin of the world. The Bible speaks of the need for righteousness to be done and effected through a sacrifice. A lamb without blemish. A lamb without leprosy. A lamb without skin disease or eye crooked or physically perfect blemish-free lamb. That's what he was, the Lamb of God, the spotless Lamb of God. And the Bible says he was the only one who could bear the sins of the whole world. And Jesus said, give me their sicknesses, give me their headaches, give me their cancers, give me, oh, he took it all, but he said, give me their sins, give me their shame, give me everything that separates them from God, and I will carry it away. And the marvelous thing about the gospel is that you and I can be free in a second because he paid for it. This isn't just miraculous power. This is miraculous power to right wrongs. This is almighty power, omnipotence. This is the omnipotent power of God applied to sin. That's what the cross is. The cross is God's omnipotent being applied to the sin, my sin, your sin. That's why there's hope. Because what's, this is, you know, God overpaid. God paid more when Christ died. It was omnipotence applied to my, my life. The blood of Jesus Christ is God's omnipotent power applied to me in my need. 
that's what the message is. The, the leper worshipped. If you, he said, all this. He said, if you're willing, Lord, if you're willing, he worshipped. God, you're God. I don't know what the worship this leper knew, but he bowed, he prayed. He said, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing. Be clean. So I'm going to finish with a story. And I, when you think of stories to tell, you can think of drug addicts, you can think of murderers. I've led murderers to Christ. Some in prison, some who've saved their prison sentence. Yeah. Got out. I've, I've, you know, you, you lead people. But I'm not going to tell a, a, a terrible story this morning. I'm going to tell a story about a respectable person. A respectable person. Because I, I, I'm, assu I'm assuming you're all respectable. You can correct me afterwards. <laughs> but let me tell you a story about a respectable person. Some of you have heard of this respectable person because she's famous. Have you heard of Roy and Fiona Castle? Yes. You've heard of have you ever met them or seen? Met Fiona. met Fiona. I've met Fiona. Lovely lady. Well, she was in the cabaret, in the, she was a, an artist, performer, and uh, she was a single lady, and uh, she was a friend with Morecambe and Wise, and Harry Seacombe. Uh, Harry Seacombe was the best man at her wedding. And that's the best man's speech I'd love to hear. Harry Seacombe was one of the goons. If you, I know it's years ago, but anyway, <laughs> forgive me. But anyway, she was. She wanted to. She fell in love with Roy Castle, but didn't know him. But Eric Morecambe knew him. So Eric Morecambe invited Roy Castle and said, "Come for dinner and bring your girlfriend." He said, "I haven't got one." He says, "We'll arrange that." and invited Fiona. And uh, that didn't work, so a few weeks later he said, uh, he took Fiona to Roy's dressing room at the cabaret and said, this is Fiona, she's madly in love with you and like to go out for, you with, for dinner with you. And that did work. And they got married. And they were um, Christian in the sense that they went to church. And she describes how on a Sunday morning she, they'd squabble and argue and get the kids ready. It'd be an awful fight. They'd get in the car, arrive in church and get out of the car smiling. I know that never happens to anybody here, but don't worry. But, you know, she'd get out of the car smiling and it was all the pretense. Not just on a Sunday morning, because I know that Sometimes things can go wrong on a Sunday morning, but in their life as a whole, they were, they were not good. And uh, religion, church going, can't heal your marriage. Sorry to say that. Keep coming. <laughs> but it's not church that heals your marriage. It's not services or singing hymns. It's it's, it's Christ. Anyway, they, their marriage went downhill. She got 
so depressed, so empty. Her life was falling apart. You see, it doesn't matter. This isn't a disease just, you can see it in drug addicts. You can see it in everybody. And the chief symptom of this spiritual leprosy is, is a, a life without meaning. It robs you of a reason to get out of bed. That's what sin does to us. It makes your life dark from the inside. You don't know how to live. You don't know how, where to go. And that's what happened to them. And uh, she got desperate. She thought her marriage was over. They had a new baby. And, and one day she, she was in a bedroom and she prayed. And she said, oh God, help me. Help me. And the phone rang. And it was a Christian. And the Christian said, I don't know what this means to you, but I just feel I ought to ring you and invite you for coffee. Her reaction was, oh no, the God Squad. Church okay, but not one like this. She said, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine. And put the phone down. And then she connected her prayer and the phone call. And she desperately hunted for the phone and rang the lady back. And said, I would like to meet with coffee. And the lady said, good, when? And Fiona Castle said, now. Now. I want to meet now. So they said, okay, come. So Fiona got in the car. She went downstairs to her husband and gave the baby to Roy Castle. Roy, they're standing there. Drove off in the car. Roy wondered if he'd ever see her again. Off she went, she got to this lady, they talked, she explained, I don't know what scripture she used, explained the gospel. And that if you let Christ in, your life will change. What you could never do, you'll be able to do. And Fiona opened her heart, received Christ as Lord, Savior. And her leprosy departed <laughs> in the terms of our story. She got back in the car. She felt so different all the way home. She thought, what am I going to say to Roy? And she said, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to see if it lasts. She got home. And a month later, Roy said to her, what happened to you that day you went out? She said, she told him, gave my life to Christ. And then she said, why didn't you ask me that day? You know, she said, he said, well, when you left the house that day, it was like clouds everywhere, darkness. The house seemed so gloomy. He said, but when you came back, the house felt like it had been spring cleaned and everything was, it was different. Everything was different when you came back. And Fiona said, why didn't you say anything? He said, I wanted to see if it would last. <laughs> and it did last. And, Fiona, and Roy died. They used to go around witnessing. And, but Fiona is still going around witnessing. She came to Epsom Town Hall. And, and spoke in the town hall, in the council chambers. It was great. 
love to hear the gospel in those kinds of places. But you see, it's a real thing that Christ does. It's, it's, it's in the level of the heart it begins. In that crowd coming down from the mountain, there must have been people who looked at the leper and thought, oh, look at him. But not realizing they were lepers too because maybe they had this, the early symptoms and they were, didn't recognize them yet. But later on, when it broke out and everybody could see the disease on there, oh, I remember the leper. But the truth is we all need a miracle. We all need to let Christ in. Let, let him be Lord. Let him do his work. Let him change our hearts. Because that's why we're here this morning. We have a wonderful person here. The same person described on these pages has been doing this for people all over the world. And here in this room and in my life, he's doing it and he'll do it for you this morning. So let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Let's pray.